You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Happy Monday, everybody. We're breaking down everything that happened on the NFL Sunday, going through all the games, and we'll give a quick peek. We already talked about one of those Monday games that used to be a Sunday game. And we'll talk about Monday Night Football with Cardinals and Cowboys as well and make picks for that game. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. At BD Peacock is where you can find me, the scout Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL. There was some very interesting games on the slate. Uh, I guess we should start with the games that we had picked, and one of those being the game that we saw most recent, which was Sunday Night Football. I was not confident in the 49ers coming into this one, and they made a little bit of a statement game in a game they had to win, 49ers beating the Rams 24-16. I felt like San Francisco needed this more, and they didn't have a ton of you know, massive standout players, Kittle, Debo coming back was great. I'm a little worried about Mostert's injury. I'm sure you are too. But it was clear Jimmy was a different player than last year, last week. And I, I, I'm not brushing this away. This was a great win by San Francisco. But I felt like L.A. just didn't have their best, just didn't have their fastball in this game either. They've made a lot of cross-country road trips. I didn't think they were particularly in sync in this game. I kind of feel like if they played 10 times, it'd probably be 5-5. Five, five. Last week, I gave a game ball to the Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores, and I said Kyle Shanahan got outcoached in that game. In this one, it was the opposite. I think Kyle Shanahan outcoached yeah. Sean McVay here, and the game plan was perfectly set up for the skill players that the 49ers have and masking Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle injury because he's still not right and still not able to drive off that leg and make throws down the field. So what did they do? They didn't throw the ball down the field. He completed six passes beyond five yards of the line of scrimmage, and about 100 of his 268 passing yards were most were really rushing yards, shovel passes and things where uh, wide receivers got the ball behind the line of scrimmage. So brilliant game plan by yeah, Kyle Shanahan and the team really um, performed it to perfection. Yeah, I also thought, and I'm sure you agree, that getting NFL corners back on the field was sure helpful too. It's so huge. And Emmanuel Mosley played well, but Jason Verrett's <laughs> playing as good as anybody in the league. He has the lowest, let me double check, I want to go back to PFF here. Jason Verrett has allowed a passer rating of 7.8 this season, best in the NFL. Huh. That's awesome because he's such a good story. I mean, he came in the league, and I liked him a lot. He played really, really well, and he exceeded my expectations. Injury, injury, I just figured he'd fall, you know, fall away, and the Niners take a chance on him. I'm thinking, but I hope he makes a team, you know, and now he's back to being that player. That's awesome. He's an awesome story. Yeah, he's got really great eyes, and he's got a really great break on the football, and both of those were yeah. on display. That interception he made in the end zone was phenomenal to help seal that game for the 49ers, Rams still, though, uh, in good shape, 4-2, and two, and the Niners at 3-3 three and three with a really tough schedule to go the rest of the way. So they've got to play above 500 ball. It's going to take at least nine wins, I think, to get into the playoffs in the NFC. Another game that was a loss for me, which is a game that I was quite shocked about, and I was watching Red Zone when the Packers-Buccaneers game was happening, and I had picked the Packers. I went head-to-head -head and took a couple L's going against the Action Network. Action Network had the Niners. I took the Rams. Action Network took... 
the Bucks. I took the Packers. I was watching that game early, and it was 10-0, I think, Packers, right? And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to write down a little W for myself in my picks. I'm looking good here. I'm watching Red Zone, and then I, they break back into that game. I was like, wait now, what is the score of that game? And all of a sudden, the Buccaneers just uh, took over that ball game and beat the Packers soundly. And the final score there, 38-10. to you're right. Green Bay would look fine early on. And then Rodgers threw a pick six and then shortly threw another interception. I mean, highly uncharacteristic Aaron Rodgers things, even though I don't think that second interception was really on him. But the pick six was bad. And from that point on, it was basically over. Like the Packers ran 61 plays and gained 201 yards. I mean, you know, I'm big on yards per play. 3.3 yards per play is horrendous I mean it was worse than the Jets it was worse than anybody yesterday and they lose David Bakhtiari in this game I mean what's how's that gonna affect them going forward but I think Tampa needs to be more of the story you know kind of like the Niners do in that first conversation I mean Levante David and Devin White were all over the field this defense was nasty and just kept coming aggressive very Todd Bowles-esque and we saw Gronk make plays, actually. He didn't look like old Gronk, but he actually did some things for the first time all year. And if you told me, you know, that Tampa was going to win this game, what, 38 to 10, I'd have been like, man, I'm DFSing the heck out of Godwin and Evans. And they really didn't even need those guys. Losing Bakhtiari hurt yeah. a lot for the Packers. And, and Rodgers was under pressure in that game. One and a half sacks from Levante David, one and a half sacks from Jason Pierre-Paul. They met at the quarterback on one play. Uh, Carlton Davis, one of the better young cornerbacks in the league, and they tried He's him and, and four passes defensed. So that that Buccaneers defense is absolutely for real. I love the rookie safety, Antoine Winfield. Uh, they've got players on every level, and they're they're going to be in it. And obviously they have a the greatest of all time quarterback who might not be playing at his peak level, but playing pretty darn good and played better than Aaron Rodgers in this game. Yeah, and it's a little side note too. I just read this this morning. I guess it happened last night. You know, I thought the Vita Vea injury was going to hurt them. And this guy's by no means Vita Vea, but they treated, they, they traded for, um, what's his face? The, the nose tackle from the Jets. From the Jets, yes. Been, been around the block a little bit and can at least pl- help plug that middle, help them blitz more. Um, so nice little pickup from them, too. So he's not Vita Vea, don't get me wrong, but it's a, a nice little addition. Tampa's in it to win it. Steve McClendon. Steve McClendon. Yes. Yeah, former Steeler, I should know that. So great trade, and yeah, the Jets should be trading anybody they can. We'll hear right. about. Uh, we'll hear maybe about if Adam Gase still has a job. Uh, let's go to that game: the Jets and Dolphins. The Dolphins shutting out the Jets twenty-four to nothing. We had talked about this game. It was like, man, the Dolphins getting eight points is a lot, but you have no choice but to take it, and and that was the correct choice there. Uh, Dolphins now three and three, playing really well with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we got to see a glimpse, two pass attempts from. Tua Tagovailoa, which was pretty cool to see him on the field, and, and he was relishing in it, and it was just about a year ago, a, l- a little less than a year ago, when he had a, a hip injury that he thought might have been career-threatening, and after the game, Tua went back on the field full uniform by himself and just sat on the 15-yard line and sort of took it all in, and so uh, it was really cool to see Tua back out on the field, and it's going to be interesting going forward. They've got to keep getting Tua onto the field, but it's hard to take Fitzpatrick off if you're winning games. Yeah, I'm going to start with the Jets. I mean, they're clearly the worst team in the league. Adam Gase now has coached 22 games with the Jets. He's only won seven of them. I mean, they were – 
it took forever until they converted their first third down and they ended the day two of 17. I mean, if you get the third down 17 times, you're a miserable organization and a miserable offense. But I want to say one good thing about the Jets. It just kind of dawned on me as you were saying this, that just one year ago, 365 days ago, that was the Miami Dolphins. I mean, they were about this bad. I mean, remember how, I mean, they were like minus 100 in point differential after a month. I mean, that was just a year ago. So I know things are bleak, and trust me, they're very bleak, Jets. You're the worst team going. But this league can change quickly if you do some right things. At what point? So you are now in charge. Matt Williamson's taking over the Miami Dolphins. When does Tua start games for you? Well, my team's 500. There's seven teams going to the dance. I can't concede the year yet, that's for sure. But I've said this all along, and I still believe it, that I would have a Tua package. You know, that I would have, and, and I'm not talking like Lamar's rookie year or what the Saints do I mean, and gimmicky stuff. I just mean like a series or two, I'm going to run – to a friendly stuff, don't get me wrong, and but I'm going to get him on the field. He has to play. I'm trying to win. I'm trying he, to win the Super Bowl this year. He has to I'm play. And play. here's the thing is Ryan Fitzpatrick is a journeyman for a reason, and he's a veteran quarterback. You might be better with Tua. That's one of the possible it's things possible, that could happen. Yeah. And to be better with Tua in week 16, you got to play Tua in week eight, if that makes sense. So the more you get Tua on the field, the better for your franchise overall. So I think at minimum, he's got to play a lot and have packages and get on the field, and that'll make it more difficult to prepare for the Dolphins. And and maybe even starting, like if I had to decide, okay, you have to start Fitzpatrick or Tua the rest of the way, you have to decide today, Tua's my guy. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I do think Fitzpatrick's playing well. Yeah, he is. And, and it's yeah, unfortunate the situation. It's been a year and a half now. It's been a pretty long stretch. I keep thinking he's going to turn into a pumpkin. And I like seeing him rooting Tua on, too, sure, which is sure. cool. And, you know, they have a good situation. And Fitzpatrick is uh, definitely – and it's and sort of like for, the, for teams out there that are looking for a veteran quarterback when they're going to draft a quarterback, Fitzpatrick can kind of say, yeah, hey, maybe I'm a good player for you to sign and I can start some games for you. So uh, the, the more he does to help Tua, the better it looks for his resume and, and might even extend his career a little bit as a starter. Because if he stays in Miami, he's probably going to be a backup. I agree. It does seem like a good good situation, a good transition, however they handle it. But Miami just stumped the Jets. A ton more games to get to here. We're going to check back in on our six-pack and some games that I did get right and some games, Matt, that you got right on Peacock and Williamson. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying something like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. 
Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. My last pick, I was only one for three, Matt, this week, but the one I did get was Washington getting points over the Giants. Giants had no business being favored as much as they were in that game, even though they did get the win by one, 2019, the Giants beating Washington, and the, that was a stinker of a game, but it ended fun, and the the late touchdown pass, and then going for two for the win, Riverboat, Ron, gambling, and losing, but what I love about that move from Ron Rivera at the end of the game, going for two, is that it's a no-lose situation for Washington. You either win the game, right. and you get a W, or you lose, and the one team that, or one of the teams that had an opportunity to draft in front of you to maybe get that franchise passer now has a win, and now you have a better shot at maybe drafting, say, Trevor Lawrence or another quarterback. So uh, th- there was nothing bad that could have come from that, and some fans were mad, and you wanted to kick the field goal and go into overtime. I'm all about going for two there for Ron Rivera in this situation. Yeah, you don't want the tie. I mean, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, I-, I loved it. It was the obvious decision for everything you just said. If you win, then you get a win. Everybody's happy. You know, they lighten the load off your shoulders a little. If you don't, you're probably happier about it in the long run. Um, this was another game. I mean, I wrote some about this saying, I feel like they could play a thousand times and it would be 500 to 500. You know I mean? Like these are even teams at the bottom of the league who have some pieces on defense. I mean, I'm not totally dismissing it. They each have a decent receiver or two, you know, McLaurin and Slayton and these guys, uh, Daniel Jones is only asked to throw the ball 19 times though. I mean, he, he made some plays as a runner, but in a tight game like this, and he's only running, the, only throwing 19 passes. I mean, it wasn't high level football by NFL standards, but like you said, I mean, it's about the best we could hope for out of this game. I don't really get the Ooh. Kyle Allen thing still over. I mean, is he really giving you that much better of a chance to win than Dwayne Haskins? And uh, are you like, you maybe you could, you could have got some value from Dwayne Haskins, even if you want to move on from him and trade? That's, that's an interesting decision because how, how much better of a chance to win is. Kyle Allen actually giving you over Haskins. I'm not so sure about that. I got to think Haskins is dealt. Yes, but there, yeah, where's the value? The value is borderline You're zero low, right now. Low, low. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Any other takeaways yeah. from this game for you? Not really. Okay. I mean, not the most exciting game. Um, and these, I think we know where these teams are. I mean, they're at the bottom of the league. They're better than the Jets. Yeah, I think we've probably spent enough time talking about that football <laughs> game. Let's move on to... Uh, a game that you got correct, which was choosing the Detroit Lions, who were giving up three and a half points against the Jaguars, Detroit winning big 34-16. Yeah, and I think the Jags are actually worse than the Giants in Washington now, too. I mean, they did win a game in week one. That seems like a million years ago. I kind of warmed up the Minshew a little, and I'm thinking he's a lifetime. I think he's Fitzpatrick. I mean, I think that's what he is. I mean, I, I got a kick out of this little number. You know, DJ Chart caught seven passes in this game. Great for 45 yards. And that's wow. still one more yard than Jacksonville was able to produce on the ground. Like, ugh, that's miserable. DeAndre Swift getting involved for yes. the Lions here, I think, was a huge development, especially for the fantasy football community. 14 carries, 116 yards, and two touchdowns, averaging 8.3 per clip. Nobody else was over three yards per rush in that Detroit backfield. Adrian Peterson actually carried the ball one more time for only 40 yards, averaging 2.7 yards per carry. So if DeAndre Swift somehow owns that backfield now the rest of the way, uh, that's huge for those 
fantasy football owners that drafted Swift and were hoping for a breakout rookie season. Yeah, exactly. And we, we kind of projected it with it should be coming. Not that I trust this coaching staff, but coming out of a buy that I loved this offense last year. I don't think the defense is very good. Don't get me wrong. But if you go Swift, Hawkinson, Galladay, Stafford, that's a pretty good pile of playmakers to start with. And, and I think that they, I, it would blow me away if they didn't just stick with Swift as the lead guy. That doesn't mean he's going to get, you know, 70% of the carries, but I want him to get 70% of the touches. Playmaker and Swift in the backfield. Now Galladay on the outside. It makes a massive difference for the Detroit Lions offense. Can their defense continue to uh, keep teams under 20 points like they did the Jacksonville Jaguars? We'll see. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But yeah, I think the offense is good. <laughs> The Minnesota Vikings, uh, Matt, you got this one wrong. The Falcons man. with that new coach bump, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a full believer in the new coach. Like I'm going to take the Jets as soon as they fire Adam Gase, whether that's this week or, well, depending on who their opponent is. Uh, but the Falcons win big over the Vikings, forty to twenty-three. What'd you take away from this game? I mean, this was a big fantasy nugget too. Is boy, I got Madison on the cheap. I'm going to start him against Atlanta, and he's going to run for two hundred yards, and I'm going to win my week. Well. They had the ball. This is a couple times this year. They possessed the football for under 20 minutes in this game, in the 60-minute game, and did nothing on the ground. You know, Kirk Cousins throwing 36 times is always, almost always going to be a L for the Vikes. Justin Jefferson. I mean, I'm trying to touch on some good things here. Justin Jefferson looks like a star, but this was the worst of times for the Vikes. They have to play a certain way. They couldn't from the beginning. And in the meantime, Atlanta ran 79 plays in this game. <laughs> oh, my good, good Lord. And Julio Jones, you know, we were worried about his injury situation. I think he's just fine. 137 yards. This wasn't even close. I, I mean, this doesn't sound kind of rude to Atlanta. But if they played 100 times, I think this would be the the 1% um, outlier in their favor. Like, I, I kind of think these teams are pretty equal, to be honest. And this was the worst of times. Maybe it's a mindset difference. And, and that's what mm -hmm. happens when you fire a coach. It puts everybody on notice. And, and maybe or, or maybe it was just a flat right. out poorly coached team and, and changing coaches. And because there's a lot of talent still on the Atlanta roster, even the, the, right, the right. poor defense, there's still some players over there. They shouldn't be as bad as they have been, which is why you fire your coach. It's like, look, we have a better roster than than what this looks like, even though they fired their GM, too, who built that roster. So we'll, we'll see how they build that going forward. But uh, the Falcons have too much talent to be the worst team in the NFL. I fully believe that. And it was fun to see Matt Ryan and Julio Jones playing free and making a bunch of plays on the offensive side of the ball. And yeah, you mentioned Justin Jefferson. Since he started being more involved in the offense at week three, he's got seven catches for 175, four catches for 103, three catches for 23 yards, and then nine catches for 166 yards. Wow, yeah. Three touchdowns during that time. So he's going off among the best, I mean, I think for those four weeks, the number one fantasy football wide receiver. It has yeah. to be. So yeah. that's what the I mean, it's definitely is. the brightest spot in Minnesota this year. <laughs> there are some Eagles fans <laughs> that are really mad right now. Because they've already been mad about the J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and D.K. Metcalf draft in 2019. And now seeing that they drafted Rager over. Could have had this guy, right? Over and who Jefferson knows what and watching what, too, yeah. He's not on the field, not helping. It's a little bit too One early, but they're Falcons like. Go oh, yeah, good. No, no. I was just saying it's a little bit too early for Eagles fans. But uh, to try to keep score on that one. But they're like, nope, we did it again, didn't we? And they're, they're, they're already <laughs> just preparing him. to like. 
uh, to light those uh, torches on fire. Uh, if you remember last year, Atlanta played eight games, had their bye, and those first eight games, they were the worst defense in the league. And then they made coaching changes on the defensive side of the ball. And then the last eight games, they were honestly like a top five to 10 defense. So there are guys there and they've been injured on that side of the ball. You mentioned like everyone just kind of laughs on the Falcons defense stinks. It kind of (laughs) does. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's been glimmers though over the last, you know, uh, 15 games, you know, they finished last year really strong. It's looking like a repeat. I mean, this is it's the 2020 is just the same as the 2019 Falcons, uh, apparently, because that's sort of the path it's going changes. down. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that ends for them this year. Moving along, Matt, and uh, the last pick that you made, we don't know the score of that one yet. It, was a, it wasn't originally a Monday night game, but we have Chiefs and Bills. You have the Chiefs minus four and a half there against the Bills. We'll finish up the Sunday slate and talk about the other Monday night football game coming up on Peacock and Williamson. Did you know there are new... Flavors of Built Bar. If you've had Built Bars in the past, you know how good they are, and they've got some fantastic new flavors that you should be excited to try. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Uh, They've got their 12 original flavors as well. You've heard me talk about the peanut butter flavor that I love. Double chocolate's good. Uh, Mint brownie's also one of my favorites. 18 fantastic flavors to choose from. You can get a box of just one flavor and get multiple boxes. You can build your own box of Built Bars as well. They're covered in 100% delicious chocolate. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, soft and easy to chew. Great if you're health conscious, trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber bar that is also great for a keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Here's one, Matt. The 5 0 Tennessee Titans beating the 1 5 Houston Texans 42 36 in overtime. That was a fun game, man. This Deshaun Watson going off and, and really a one man show over there, and the Titans and Derrick Henry, that was worth the price of admission for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, they're one of the couple undefeated teams. They play Pittsburgh next week, a battle of undefeateds. You don't get that very often in week seven, so that's exciting. Um, Real quick Houston note, I think we all knew they were better than what their first month showed us because they played such bad teams. And they showed that, or such good teams, and they showed that in this game, but you're still one in five. (laughs) You know, like in the end, you're one in five. And you were the inferior team here Tennessee I've been real big on yards for play as you know Tennessee's offense put up 8.6 yards per play every time they snapped the ball they got 8.6 yards I mean massive and a lot of that's Derrick Henry going 90 or whatever but what a force of nature he is and I don't think this is speaking out of turn to say that Ryan Tannehill is at least entering that MVP conversation. I mean, I, I think that's where this this offense is going right now. And A.J. Brown's a monster. Johnny Smith's a monster. Like, they got some good things happening here for the for the Titans. Oh yeah, they've question. got they've got pieces. I want to see the defense yeah. play a little bit better because Houston was able to go up on them and the way Tennessee came back though, it was <laughs> was pretty amazing and this was the non Tannehill like box score for him because we had talked before how Tannehill 
will throw three touchdown passes but only have 150 yards passing and 21 pass attempts. He had 41 attempts in this game, hitting on 30 of them, 364 yards and four touchdowns. Like They had to lean on Tannehill a little bit to try to come back in this game, and it worked. Derrick Henry going crazy, the 94-yarder, a couple touchdowns, 212 yards rushing, and it's amazing how he can be just the entire running game continually for the Titans. Uh, it's amazing. Just, yeah. he's, he's just built different. It's pretty amazing. And watching him bowl over um, defenders into the end zone, too, is like he, <laughs> when he gets ahead of steam, there's nothing you can do. You cannot stop that man. No, it's, it's an amazing force of nature. I mean, he just gets faster, stronger as the game goes on, as the season goes on. And you just get, frankly, tired of tackling him, and it gets, you know, he gets in the open field, mm-hmm. look out. Um, as good as the Titans season was last year, and they went quite far in the playoffs, obviously, I don't know that Tannehill would have brought them back last year. Like, I thought that was a really encouraging sign. I thought they had to play a certain way, you know, a, a Henry-centric game plan last year. I don't know if they win this game last year. Since we do like to focus on fantasy football a lot on this podcast, I do want to say, Deshaun Watson... Like how many quarterbacks would you take what their stats are going to be the rest of the year over Deshaun Watson? Because I think he's probably going to go Just off and might have a lot of these lines where he's, you know, three plus touchdowns, 300 yards plus passing almost every week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. And I, I mentioned this before. I think that Wentz and Watson are two of my favorite quarterbacks that frankly had a very rough start to their season, but I never lost faith. And I think they're starting to reward us. Watson's numbers are a little better, but he's also got Cooks and Fuller and, you know, guys Wentz would kill for. But those guys are about equal parts and, you know, stages of their career. They're not Mahomes, but they're really damn good. And you can win a lot of games with those guys. And the new coach should be thrilled to get his hands on Sean Watson. 5-0 5-0 Titans versus 5-0 Steelers next week. That'll be fun. The Steelers handling their business 38-7 over the Browns. Browns falling to 4-2. and And uh, I definitely have some questions about the Cleveland Browns. And we had talked about this game. And I don't know how this didn't end up in our six-pack because we were both all over the Steelers in this one. 38-7 the final. And the Browns, maybe it's because they played a really good team like the Steelers and how good their defensive secondary is and, and how good their defensive line is. But Baker Mayfield, not not developing in a way that uh, gives you confidence that the Browns are going to be in it in the end. I, I have some questions there. Maybe it's opponent. You watched this game closer than I did. What did you see there with Steelers-Browns? I, I mean, I, I'm mad I didn't pick it for the six-pack because I when we make our predictions in my Steelers show every week, and I picked the Steelers to win this game by like 17 on Friday, you know, and I thought that this is just not setting up well for the Browns. For the main reason is, first of all, Mayfield, I'm not a believer. I haven't said very much good things about him in a while. I thought they were winning despite him. But even more than that, Mayfield included, the Browns came into this game with a lot of injuries. And the Steelers are really healthy. And Tomlin's never lost to the Browns here. You know, like there's some massive big brother, little brother things going on here. And frankly, I thought this was just the bully. I mean, they beat the crap out of the Browns. I mean, they, they eliminated the run game. They won both lines of scrimmage. They pushed around Odell. I mean, they were, it was varsity versus JV on this day. And and I think Cleveland will rebound some degree and they have a really easy schedule going forward. They may end up in the playoffs, but they have quarterback issues. 
And I do want to give you some credit, Matt. You uh, did make some good picks on Friday. You were Oracle-like on Friday with all of your picks. And in this game, you nailed it, too, with the turnover regression for the Browns. Yeah, it was yeah. bound to happen, and you know it turned out to be... Hard thing uh, to count on. Yeah, pick sixes and things like that for, for Cleveland. So you nailed that for sure. Yeah, Pittsburgh really beat them up, and I think the Steelers are playing really well. Last note, though, they did lose Devin Bush for the year. And that's a bad position for the Steelers to lose. Bush wasn't only playing well, but he they, they really don't have much behind them. They're really thin on the second level. Something to monitor because they're so strong uh, in the middle of the field in the secondary and on the defensive line, but uh, that linebacker spot, and they're asked to do a lot at linebacker in Pittsburgh, and so that's a huge loss. Torn ACL for Devin Bush, done for the year. Let's go to Indianapolis where the Colts held on to beat the Bengals 31-27. I don't know what to make of the Colts. I mean, good for them coming back in this game. But I'm starting to see here a bit of a trend here with the, the, the Bengals, which really goes back to Coach Taylor's last year, too. They just lose close games. I mean, they, they did some good things. Joe Burrow to T. Higgins looks really exciting. A.J. Brown, you know, came out of his uh, it's hibernation that makes some plays too. AJ Green, I think that's called him AJ Brown. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so the Bengals have some things, don't get me wrong, but boy, they find a way to lose. And they were winning this game big. And Phillip Rivers brought them back. I've been hard on Rivers. I'll give him credit. But I, I'm not sure what to make of the Colts. I don't know how good they are. I'm with you. I came away with as many questions as answers after this game. And mm-hmm. it, I, I loved that after the game, like the Bengals are going to start winning some games and Joe Burrow is the right guy. I think that's clear. And he was asked, sure. you know, is there some things you can take away from this game because you are improving, like your coach said? And he's like, no, we want to win games. That's it. Like he's not happy about improving, but still losing games. And, and I think the Bengals are definitely going to get there. And they have some obvious pieces they need to add to that to get there. And the Colts down early were able to come back, which was a good sign for uh, for Indy because Philip Rivers, you know, 371 yards, they needed to lean on him, and he was up to the challenge. So I think that was a pretty important thing to see for the Colts if they are going to make some noise this year. Yeah, I, I've been really hard on Rivers. Um, I know they were in catch-up mode for this whole game, but the Colts only ran the ball for 59 yards in this game. <laughs> you know, like, wow, against the Bengals. In a keeper league, I traded a future first-round pick and Jonathan Taylor for Christian McCaffrey. How do you feel about that trade for me? I like it. I mean, I'm sure he'll come back and be a monster. I thought Taylor was going to be much more of a fantasy asset by now than he is. He's and gotten their enough, line hasn't been quite as good as you think. Yeah, he behind that line, he's gotten enough work where there's not been the breakout, which worried me a little bit, and I wasn't worried about trading him away. That's what was the, kind of the big thing for me. He's like, okay, well, there he should have had one huge game, and he hasn't had that yet, and that's no. a little frightening. Yeah, it is. The whole offense in general is a little clunky. How about this one? The New England Patriots are sub-500 for the first time since 2001, I think. They lose to the Broncos at home with Cam Newton. 18-12, to a field goal bonanza. Uh, Broncos 2-3, and three, yeah. Patriots now 2-3. and three. I think this was kind of a miserable game, too. I don't want to say it was Giants-Washington, but it was in the same vein. Two good defenses. Drew Locke coming back, but struggling and, you know, kind of not playing as crisp as you would like. Um, Brandon McManus is the star of the game for, for Denver. Unbelievable. And their defense was really good. Don't get me wrong. But New England, I, I mean, 
I kind of feel for Cam Newton, almost in a way like we were talking about with Carson Wentz. Like, there's no playmakers on this Patriot offense. I mean, their receivers are junk. I think Edelman's done. I mean, it's if they can't run the ball on you, it's like that's all they got. The best play they made on offense was Edelman throwing the ball to Cam, which which is, right, is right. pretty telling about They're that manufacturing offense. Stuff, I completely know? agree. And then the matchup's bad for the offense in Denver, even though they were able to get in field goal range multiple times, you get, you know, you have got a rookie in Judy who's your number one wide receiver, but they've got Stephon Gilmore who can shut that down. And there's not a lot of places for Drew Locke to go in his first game back. So yeah, just made for a pretty ugly ball game, unless you like kickers. And, and here's the official stat from NFL research. The Patriots are below 500 through five games for the first time since 2001, when Tom Brady led the team to the first of its six Super Bowl titles, New England snapped a streak of 18 consecutive seasons above 500 through five games, which was the longest such streak as you would expect in NFL history. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not big on either one of these teams. I feel like, keep saying this, if these teams played 10 times, I don't know that Denver would win a higher percentage than they would lose, but I think a lot of them would go this way where it would just be under, under, not much offense. Blech. How about the Philadelphia Eagles showing some gumption down early to the Ravens coming back in this game? And they did just come up short, though. 30 to 28 Ravens over the Eagles. Five and one Ravens. One, four and one Eagles now. Yeah. And in some ways, I look at this as an, you know, from an Eagles perspective. I mentioned Wentz earlier. They can play with the big boys. You know, they just did battle with the Steelers and the Ravens toe to toe. Could have won either game. And really, they have not played poorly now for several weeks in a row, including the Niners, you know, who I think is also a big boy. But like what I said with Houston, they're one, four and one. I mean, they really yeah. need Dallas to lose tonight to be in the in the mix. And that's a possibility. And maybe the second half of the season goes much better for Philly win loss wise because they are showing signs of life. But I, I have a, I mean, I know that they were had this game totally in control. And maybe took their foot off the gas a little bit, but I think Baltimore's struggling quietly. You know, yeah. like the, Lamar had some long runs, and they owned the the time of possession as they often do. But they had a lot of penalties. Lamar's not throwing it real well. Um, Ingram goes out in this game, and none of the other running backs really step up. Like I think the Ravens are working through some things. And a couple of the best throws from Carson Wentz were dropped. He had a touchdown pass to Miles yes. Sanders that you know, you know, kind of wrong-shouldered Miles Sanders on the play. Is Travis Fulgham for real? I like the way he attacks the ball in the air. Is he for real? Is it just the, a case of him being the last man standing and being the number one guy that's getting all the targets for Carson Wentz? Because I, I've kind of liked what I've seen from Travis Fulgham. Yeah, me too. I think they found something at a position they desperately need. And I don't think it's a an accident or a coincidence that they've been more competitive while he stepped up. Um, I don't know that he'll ever be a superstar, but when you pair him with Rager and Goddard and maybe Jackson or Alshon, and uh, I think Zach Ertz might be done, but you, you get my drift. I mean, if he's a piece and a, a little bit different aspect, the type receiver that they have, I like his contested catch ability. He moves reasonably well. He's not super explosive or anything, but he's getting a time to. He's getting the opportunity to shine. He's stepping up big, so I think he's real. I, I don't know that he's going to Pro Bowls or anything, but you know, I, I like the. I mean, he's doing well. I saved the best game of the week for last, Matt. As one of our listeners put it, the preview of the NFC Championship game: the Chicago Bears, currently first place in the NFC North, beating the Panthers. 
23-16. This is a strange game, and I'm going to start to really take heat from the Bears fans because <laughs> I'm doing power ranks, and I have them 13th, and I know they're 5-1. and one. And last week I kept making the joke, the Bears are 4-1. and one. Holy cow, the Bears are 4-1. and one. I'm, Now they're 5-1. and one. And <laughs> this was also kind of an ugly game, but that's what the Bears do. I mean, uh, Chicago only rushed for 63 yards. Nick Foles didn't hit 200 throwing. I mean, there were a lot of, you know, there were 18 penalties in this game. There were four turnovers in this game. But Carolina turned the ball over three times, and Chicago turned the ball over once, and that was enough. And the Bears' D is really good. That's what I was going to say. The Chicago Bears are one of about five teams in the NFL right now that can play defense, and yes. so they're going to be in it. They're, they're going to be around for a while. As long as their offense doesn't completely fall on its face and they don't make a ton of mistakes and turn the ball over, they can play some complimentary, complimentary-type football and, and play some defense. And I think that's really important right now, and I think we're seeing that. So, uh, Bears, bear down. Matt, come on, get on board. Yeah, I mean, you have a point, and it just kind of dawned on me, maybe we should bring it up later in the week. Like, who are the real defenses in this league right now? And Chicago, Tampa, Steelers, Baltimore, Indy, those guys collectively have a lot of wins. Yes, that is that is a great point. We should. Yeah, I'm going to put a little note here that to talk about some of those teams and, and who are the teams that have real defenses. I bet those are the teams that are in the playoffs when it's all said and done. And I right. think Chicago I mean, that, is proving that they're one of those teams. Collective win loss records pretty darn good. Absolutely, great point. All right, real quick, Monday Night Football, Matt. We've got the Arizona Cardinals are traveling to play the Dallas Cowboys. Three and two cards, two and three Cowboys minus Dak Prescott. Who you got here? Dallas favored by one at this point. I have Dallas in this game, and I'm expecting a lot of points. I think giving Dalton the whole week to prepare with this group will be helpful. I think they'll line, you know, lean on Zeke a little bit more than they did in the DAC games. But I also think we can't get ahead of our you know, get over our skis with Dalton. I, I know a lot of people are like, he's the best backup in the league. They'll be fine. Well, he's going to be a big drop off from Dak, and. Yeah, he's a good backup, but he hasn't played well in two years and got benched for Ryan Finley last year. I mean, let's not forget that. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, there's too much talent on <laughs> offense. The The offense was never going to be the problem. Can the Cowboys play defense and stop Kyler Murray? That's still the question. It's the same question they would have had if Dak Prescott was starting this no. game to me. And I think that answer is no. But I also think the Cardinals have a lot of holes still on their team. I think they have a couple things figured out, but no Chandler Jones. We even talked about this, but Isaiah Simmons really isn't playing and he's healthy. They yeah. can't figure out how to get him out there. Like there, there's still a lot of roster construction that needs to be done in Arizona. I mean, other receivers besides Hopkins need to step up, you know. So I do think there'll be a lot of points. I like Dallas, big Zeke game. Um, but the Cardinals are going the right direction. It's just gonna take some time. This game could go any number of directions. I'm not confident. I will go Dallas. I think there's an opportunity for them to rally, and they are at 2-3, and three, first place in the NFC East. I don't know who's going to overtake them, even if Dallas doesn't play well, play well the rest of the way. But this season could go a number of directions for, for the Cowboys. They could really crumble without the loss of Dak, or they could sort of rally around it, and I feel like there's a vibe of positivity, of rallying 
That's the vibe I get from Dallas, and I could be wrong. So we'll see if they're able to do that and Maybe. stop some people on defense. And uh, this will be a test for them because the Cardinals aren't a bad football team coming in, and I could absolutely see the cars coming in and and uh, and wrecking the Cowboys too and getting that started in the wrong direction for them the rest of the way. So I'm fascinated to see how the Cowboys come out of this. I am too. I mean, it's obviously a crossroads for the Cowboys on a Monday night and for everyone to see. And if it doesn't go well, Jerry doesn't like such things. <laughs> yeah, the the shots <laughs> the shots of Jerry in in the box right. will will be pretty telling in this football game for sure. <laughs> yes. The Jerry meter. All right. Good stuff, Matt. We will be back tomorrow. We'll break down both games from Monday night football. We'll see if Matt's last pick of the week can get us back to 500 in our six-pack Chiefs Bills Cardinals Cowboys. We'll have it all broken down and we will have a two-minute warning. Your questions on Tuesday's show yeah, yeah, right get here. Those in. Yeah, at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL. It's your show tomorrow. Peacock and Williamson.